the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be with you tonight and uh, glad you can be here. Ed Martin, go to ProAmericaReport.com. You can get any of this show, uh, standalone segments, and also go there and sign up for What You Need to Know, the daily wink and email that will go to your email box at 5 a.m. Pacific time, 8 a.m. East Coast time. And... um, I've had a long day today. I actually got up early. I don't know if I, I it was, didn't know this until late last night. I filled in on Breitbart um, News Daily, their radio show today, for a couple hours this morning. So the crack of dawn. So I've had a long day. Uh, great to be with you. And so much happening in this country. we got a lot to cover. And what you need to know. Oh, there's one thing I'd ask you. At Eagle Ed Martin on Twitter. At Eagle Ed Martin on Twitter. Do me a favor and tell your friends and others to follow me on Twitter. It helps a lot to build up the number of people that are listening to what we're doing in all the different medium on the great uh, the answer san diego but also of course on social media so uh, ed martin live is on facebook ed martin live is this page there so uh, okay a couple of things i spent i spent some time yesterday talking about uh, the incredible peace deal the abraham accord which is uh, pretty extraordinary and i i think you know it could be what you need to know for the next month because i think uh, the news that broke yesterday late president trump made reference to seven eight or nine other nations coming into this deal i have to say um it's incredible the media how they will look the other way because it's trump i mean this is a major major historic uh, moment and there you know this media the washington post i think a reporter there and then uh, some of the cnn and others were saying well uh, you know it ha- there hasn't really been any upswing in violence or anything so is there really uh, is it a big deal uh, here's the thing i said this a couple times in the last couple of days uh since i heard it i guess 20, 36 hours ago President Trump described the fact that instead of doing things the normal way, he said, I used the smart door. He said some people might call it a back door, but I call it the smart door. Later in an interview, Jared Kushner, his son-in-law, said, you know, we studied all the ways that everybody had tried to do peace. And most of them said, bring in the Palestinians, bring in the Israelis, make everybody come to a deal. And he said, we decided that that was the usual way and it wouldn't work. And so the path that it looks like they took was to build the rapport with all the different players and make it clear that it would be to your advantage to have a peace deal. Let me say three characteristics of what I see now that we've got a little bit of success Number one is the Americans made sure to send a message to the world that they would support Israel. And Israel is getting stronger and stronger, militarily, economy, everything. So if you're watching and you don't like Israel and you're one of these other nations, you're saying, well, they, they, we may not like them, but they're getting stronger and stronger. Their economy stronger. Their relationship with America stronger. Their military stronger. So that's one factor. And then two... President Trump, his first visit was to Saudi Arabia. He, he, he's, he's made clear to the friends, to people in the region who are friendly nations, that he will be supportive. 
that he will make deals, that he will sell military, that he will build up the economy. And even when there was the trouble with Khashoggi, Trump didn't grandstand and preen and lecture the world. He kind of held back and said, we'll see what's going on. They'll figure it out. And the point is, in that part of the world, what the people of the Middle East and the nations, not the people, the leaders saw was that Trump could make life better for them. They, he could make it more secure. He could make it more uh, successful. He could make its future brighter. And they started to say to themselves, one plus two, Israel getting stronger, plus two, it's in our interests, made it so, hey, maybe we should do something. And the third reality is, I think this president got people thinking, it's only a matter of time, so come on in. In other words, first went uh, the uh, United Arab Emirates, then Bahrain. But as someone said, Bahrain is a kind of uh, so dependent on the Saudi uh, kingdom, the Saudi uh, leadership. They wouldn't have done that without permission. So you see this coming in stages. And, and the, oh, the other part of this I meant to say is that Iran is so thoroughly isolated. So back, I apologize. My first point, what, what I was saying is Israel got stronger and Iran got isolated. I apologize. I'm looking at my notes. And, and the point there is, if you were an Arab nation that thought, well, maybe we can work with Iran, you watched Iran get so isolated so profoundly and you thought, huh, this president's not going to mess around. He just he just killed off ISIS. He, he, he showed his resolve there. And now we, I don't think we better plan on him going light on Iran. I think we better just plan on doing this. Uh, this. Uh, so you got one. Number one, Israel gets stronger. Iran gets isolated. Number two, the message is we can make life better for nations that get along. And number three, it comes in stages to the point where the conversation, serious conversation among people is and should be. Why isn't Palestine coming in? If they were ever going to get peace, they ought to take the deal when it's there because everybody else is making a deal. And parts of the deal that Israel are making is going to be, you know, not to be going grabbing more lands, not to be expanding the territories, which is all the stuff that supposedly Palestine wanted. So it's an extraordinary success. And it shows that Trump thinks differently than most people in terms of leadership. And he's very successful. Which brings me to my second point, the exciting news. I know everybody, I'm smiling as I say it, that Big Ten football is back. Now, Pac-12 is trailing. They, I mean, they haven't said anything. They're just staying with their idea of canceling a season. But Big Ten football, over the weekend, the Big Ten Conference, Inc., which is a Illinois nonprofit that funnels all the money for TV and everything for Big Ten football and others through it, and is, the board of directors is the university president, presidents. They spent a day and a half going to meetings just basically covering their tail on why they're doing what they're going to do. And they announced they're going to go play football. Now, President Trump for six weeks, as soon as the announcement was made in August, early August, has been saying, let them play, let them play. And now everybody from the New York Times to Joe Biden is lying about it and saying, well, it wasn't Trump. I mean, they, they decided to do this. But the fun part is the left is going crazy because they think Big Ten football should have stayed canceled. So the USA Today a columnist, Christine Brennan, is basically saying this is the worst, the blackest, darkest day in the history of uh, Big Ten. Well, I got one, one, two words to say to you that's darker is Jerry Sundesky and the Penn State, uh, the debacle of that abuse. But 
be that as it may, the, the great thing is that Big Ten football is coming back. The funny thing about it is it's coming back the week before the election because the Big Ten Conference University presidents, who I have said damaged their careers by this move, I think they will, at least half of the 14 presidents of Big Ten universities will lose their jobs in the next two years. It may not be cited as because of this decision, but it will be because of their inability to lead their institutions. They, the donors will be mad. The liberals will be mad. They caved. All different people are upset. And you'll see resignations, retirements, and a couple of firings, I bet. But they're going back to play. And the president wins. The president wins. I mean, day after day, he's winning with these moves. And he's winning by getting the American people. They see he's on their side. They see the economic numbers are getting better and better. But, you know, at the end of it all, you now watch when something as good as this happens, right? Yesterday, peace. Today, football. What happens next? Immediately. The, the mainstream media, the fake news, starts to publish polling that says Trump is losing, Trump is losing. It's like predictable as can be. He, Trump is losing, Trump is losing. And you say, well, first of all, I, I, I often tell this story. In 2016, I was up in New York City on Election Day. And on the Monday before Election Day, on Tuesday, the Election Day, I did media appearances, one after another, TV, BBC, CNN, ever, all the different ones. And I often was paired up with a, a Clinton supporter, a Clinton, uh, you know, kind of um, surrogate. And the media would look at us and they'd say, well, you know, you must be picking out the drapes to the Clinton supporter. It's going to be great. You know, first woman president. And they would turn to me and say, you know, your guy's going to get killed. He's going to lose a historic loss. And I would say, well, I don't really know for sure. But I can tell you in Missouri, the polls show Trump winning by four. I've been around Missouri. I was chairman of the party in Missouri, Republican Party. I know my friends and neighbors. I look around. I think he's going to win by more. He won by 19 in Missouri. 15 percentage points off when you see these polls that the media is throwing out there that in the face of all this success that trump how somehow biden is surging he barely looks sentient biden he barely looks capable and kamala harris is referring to the harris administration and biden actually refers to it too that way it's just ridiculous so don't believe the polls don't believe your your lion eyes when you see these polls understand that the media is trying to save biden trying to steer things and it won't it's not working and it won't work so that's what you need to know don't forget go to proamericareport.com proamericareport.com to uh follow me and get my daily newsletter and get all these segments and the interviews we've got some great guests we'll be interviewing today including um pardon me we will spend some time uh talking today uh with uh, excuse me the um stephanie carlson from oregon an update about oregon and steve cortez the famous uh uh defender of president trump will join us so we'll take a break and be right back it's ed martin here in the pro america report this is the pro america report on the answer san diego Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Our next guest is a friend of mine. I met her a few years ago when she upset the uh, upset the apple cart. Is that the right way to say it? Upset, upset uh, so. people. <laughs> when she ran for school board and won, uh, Stephanie Carlson also runs a business with her husband and uh, financial services business. And you can find out more about her and him and their business, 48financial.com. Check that out. But Stephanie, welcome to the program. First of all, before we get to the bigger news, because you're based in Oregon and you have a perspective on what's happening may i ask you how is school reopening happening in your neck of the woods in your school district upon which you serve on the school board yeah well we actually haven't even started school yet for the year is it that funny ed it hasn't started because of the fires that are going on 
Oh, really? So there's yeah. not the, the, the fires are causing them. It's not COVID that's keeping them out. Well, it was COVID. Everything was online this year, um, but we haven't even started online because of so many fires in our area and evacuations. Yep. Yeah. So, all right. So tell me, Stephanie Carlson, what you know about what's happening with these fires. I, I talked to you yesterday on a call and I was surprised to see it and you send more information in the rest of the country. You know, we're seeing some coverage of this, but we're mostly seeing it like, wow, there's fires. That's terrible. Or, mm-hmm. wow, there's burning cities. That's terrible. But tell me what you're seeing on the ground, what you're hearing, what you uh, what you know. Yeah, absolutely. So any of your listeners that watch the media and the news to see what's going on out here in the Pacific Northwest, well, they're just not getting the full story yet. The story media cannot be trusted. Um, There were many fires that were started by hot, dry, windy conditions, but many of them were not. Last Wednesday, I noticed that there were 17 fires reported within a one-hour period, and I thought, wow, that seems kind of odd. Um, Shortly (laughs) after, I started hearing stories of people seeing fields and brush being lit on fire by other people and many eyewitness accounts uh, were being given of really peculiar things Um, a friend of mine's husband stopped to put out a fire on the side of the road and he saw a line of lighter fluid that was like somebody had literally uh, dumped lighter fluid on the side of the road another friend of mine witnessed two people lighting his field on fire I've had uh, just interesting peculiar um, trucks and things in front of my own farm um, there's just been tons, myriad of stories and eyewitness accounts on social media given about how a lot of these fires are being started by arson. What is the? What do you think the reason is? I mean, what? I mean, I, I don't mean to say you know, but yeah. I mean, when you someone says they see a fire, is it? Are these out of towners that are in town causing chaos? Is it? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, what's what's going on in uh, Oregon? I mean, between Portland and this, I mean, what's what? Yeah. What is? What, can you can you sense what is what's behind it? Well, you know, what my gut feeling is is that they've already burnt down Portland to the ground. Um, there have been extremist groups like Antifa have, that have said that they were going to come out to the country and do damage out here. And I see that happening. So as, as many people on social media, you know, they're so quick to want to defend Antifa and these extremist groups, which is beyond me. I don't understand why they're defending them. Um, I can't really see any other logical conclusions except for it is some of these extremist groups that are coming out to burn our countryside. Um, and the, the funny thing about all of this is it feels like there's a cover-up going on. And I will tell you an example. There was an emergency meeting held by Clackamas County Board of Commissioners on September 10th, and they had Captain Jeff Smith of the Sheriff's Department uh, speaking about what was happening and how they suspected, they didn't confirm, but they suspected Antifa involvement. And um, you can, any of your listeners that want to can go online and search that out. Um, it gets really interesting about um, minute 10 or so of the of the meeting. Um, but basically, this, the, the captain is saying, that there is mischief going on and um but at the same time we're getting little um some descriptions some posts on social media and facebook from clackamas county sheriff's office that are saying that these are just rumors well we know that they're they're not rumors we know that arson is happening so it's just there's a lot of weird weird peculiar things going on Mm-hmm. Is it um, so? Are, how bad are the fires? Like, I mean, no, you're in your in your yeah. ca- county, and and is it, you know we've seen a lot of coverage of California's fires. How bad are the fires in Oregon? 
They're pretty bad. They're pretty bad. We were on uh, evacuation level two for uh, several days. There's most of, it's just a ghost town here in town. I came in town just to do this interview, but shortly I'll go back home where the, the air is a little bit better. But it is smoky. It is horrible. So there are definitely fires. Um, our crews out here are working tirelessly, um, our fire crews. And then also just the good old boys of the countryside have decided to, to help out. And so there's this whole community is coming together to put out fires. But it's not just here in Oregon. It's all all the way up in Washington as well. I watched footage of a guy starting a fire on the side of the road through a home security camera just a few days ago that was in Kelso, Washington. So um, it's not just here. It, it's all the way up and down the states here on the west. Well, and for those of us that are not in the in the um, you know in that um, neck of the woods, pun intended, mm-hmm. I guess um, yeah. <laughs> the danger here is the danger is right around this time. It, it, it these fires are spreading like wild, mm-hmm. like wild. I mean, that's the real. It's not um, it's not like somebody comes and burns your house down, and you're like, wow, that was arson. And somebody starts a fire over here, and then it'll spread and right. and clear out a farm and clear out a, a house, and and it maybe even hurt you know maybe even hurt someone if they don't get out of harm's way. It's mm-hmm. it's that combustible. Are there being are there arrests? being made? I mean, if you know this and you're a leader in the community, are, are people getting arrested and, and detained for it? Or where, where's the where's the law enforcement? Yeah, absolutely. Well, there, I will say one more little note to the kind of the peculiar aspect of all of this. A deputy was put on leave for stating on video, and I'm going to quote him, um, Antifa mother expletive are out causing hell, and there's a lot of lives at stake, and there's a lot of people's property at stake because these guys got some vendetta, end quote. This deputy was heard saying this on the video, and then he was shortly uh, removed. Well, he was he was put on leave for stating that on a video. Um, he's just out saying what he's seeing, and he's putting being put on leave. Um, so, yeah, there, it's, it's just, it's crazy. I, I, there have been arrests made. There were two gentlemen, uh, gentlemen, I shouldn't use the word gentlemen, two guys right. that were arrested. Um, and I don't have their names up here. I think I sent them to you earlier. Uh, and then also, the, it's funny, after they were arrested, after Clackamas County Sheriff's Department said, you know, no arrests had been made, these guys were arrested. And then they excused why they were being arrested, They even though the accounts were for arson. They blamed them on something that didn't have to do with the fires. So do you see, like, there's this just cover-up happening that we don't know mm. what's going on. There's another guy what that about was, the, yeah, he was oh, arrested keep going. for throwing, no, keep going. yeah, I'm sorry about that. He was arrested for throwing Molotov cocktails, uh, and then he was uh, arrested, and then he was let go, and then he did it again <laughs> right after he right. was let go out of prison. So, yeah, there are arrests being made. What about um, oh, two 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 questions? One, what about the uh, federal government? Is there you know I know in in places where the federal government has been asked to come in, and so sometimes they could be asked to come in in a county where maybe in the cities in Portland the mayor is obviously a big Democrat. Are there any places where the federal government can help? And the second thing is, what's what's your sense of the impact on? The upcoming election uh, in Oregon's a safely Democrat place. It's a one-party rule generally. Mm-hmm. But what is that? What are the people feeling about the the, the election? Oh man, well. I- 
you know, I don't know if the feds are out here for sure or not. I would love to know that. So if you hear of anything, mm-hmm. let me know. Two, uh, mm-hmm. as far as the election goes, you know, I just think it just is getting more and more tumultuous out here as we get closer to the election. It feels like there's all of this stuff is happening on purpose to to wreak havoc. You know, you know, I've thought too. Well, maybe it's they're trying to set everything on fire so people can't get their ballots turned in. You know, there's a lot of speculation to to the reasons behind why they're doing these things. But yeah, the the election coming up is just it's just causing a lot of of a lot of stress here in the here in Oregon for sure. Well, and and what about and get back to school for one second. Mm-hmm. Anybody saying when they think school will get back in? Well, it sounds like we're going to start tomorrow. Um, oh, we, good. Yeah, hopefully. I, we don't know that for sure, but that's what it looks like. There was a, some pushback from the board this week saying, why are we not starting school? You know, these kids are on laptops. We, we, mm-hmm. we des- our kids deserve better than this. So I think that really helped kind of pr- push them, propel them mm-hmm. to get going for the year. Yeah, so pr- mm-hmm. most likely right. tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Good. All right, Stephanie, I got to run. Thank you for your time, Stephanie Carlson. Keep us informed on this, so the update Absolutely. from Oregon and what's going on. I, I, I wonder uh, uh, often about uh, what, whether we'll ever find out the truth behind some of this. So thanks, Stephanie, very much. We'll take You're a quick welcome. break and be right back. It's Ed, Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Our next guest, he's been on the show before, Steve Cortez. He also is a radio personality. He's on TV a lot. Steve also occupied, I should point out to him, I know he'll laugh when I say it, the Jeffrey Lord uh, chair of Trump defense at CNN. He, uh, Jeffrey Lord christened it. I did a stint of like four, four or five months. I think Steve Cortez may have had it the longest. He was the most successful, if I can say, Steve, not to give you too much credit, but the debunking of the fine people Charlottesville ho- ho- hoax which you were doing so well on CNN, eventually, as only Roger Stone could tell me, he said, don't worry, you'll, do, uh, you'll be fine on CNN until you do well enough, and then they'll get rid of you. And I think so right. they did with Steve Cortez. So <laughs> I don't know if That's you, right. I hope you'll write about your experience because you were, you were extraordinarily good and you'd think, well, why aren't they going to keep that guy? And then lo and behold, you're out. Right. Well, listen, you're very kind. By the way, we are part of the same uh, CNN Alumni Association, right, of, of conservatives <laughs> yeah, exactly. who were shown the door from CNN. And yeah. uh, I'm very proud to be your fraternity brother in that, uh, <laughs> exactly. along with Jeffrey Lord. And Although we can't call it just fraternity because yeah. there's some ladies, too, but the, the Alumni Association. <laughs> that's right. I think that's a good idea. Well, I tried to get Jeffrey Lord to pay for lunch. I said, let's have a lunch down in D.C. and you could pay for it. He, you know, Jeffrey, he was like, ah, let's just talk on the phone. So anyway, but right. hey, listen, Steve, I want to ask you about a month and a, a month and a week ago or so, early August, over on the National Pulse, you wrote a commentary piece on Biden uh, and the campaign in particular. And, and I should be clear that uh, Steve Cortez also now has a senior position uh, with the Trump campaign. He's one of uh, the senior advisors for the, the Trump campaign. Um, but Biden's numbers among month and a half ago or so, uh, the, the, your, your piece was analyzing, where is he? He rushes down to Florida, Biden, the other day, as much as he can rush. What's the reality in here on the Hispanic community and the reaction to Trump and Biden? 
Yeah, so, you know, Ed, I've been talking for a very long time that I believe Donald Trump is going to win the Hispanic vote. Um, and now it's getting wow. fashionable to say that today, but I was saying that a long time ago <laughs> and it wasn't very fashionable. So I, I'm hoping that I'm right. I think I am. But regardless, what we know right now is, is in polling, both public polling as well, as well as the private stuff that we see here at the campaign, we're doing incredibly well among Hispanic voters. Uh, Fox News in their recent poll, and their polling has not been very Trump-friendly, by the way, but their latest uh, national poll shows us uh, on a nationwide basis being at 41% among Hispanics. Now, again, I think we're going to do better than that. But even that number, if we're in the area of 40%, we got 29% last time. If we're in the vicinity of 40% among Hispanics, that makes the electoral map prohibitively difficult for Joe Biden. So the, the, the Democrats are pulling their hair out over this issue, and they should be. But what's more important to me than the polls is are the reasons why. Well, why are we doing well among Hispanics? And I think there's there's one uh, reason that's a, a negative, meaning not that it's a negative for us, but meaning we're benefiting from mistakes on the other side. Uh, and then there's also a positive side to it. So the, the negative side is that the Democratic Party, as it has lurched ever further left, um, it is embracing the most radical, extreme elements of American politics, the ideas uh, of people like AOC and Bernie Sanders. Uh, as it moves there, it really leaves a lot of Hispanics, many of whom voted Democratic in the past, it leaves them as effectively political orphans. You know, we Hispanics tend to be a more conservative people, religiously, culturally, politically, than the rest of America. And a lot of polling bears that out. That's not just my anecdotal opinion. Um, and so they are, they are, in some ways, by default, uh, there's a newfound openness to the Republican Party and to the Trump movement. But then there's also a really positive vision of the, uh, of the equation, uh, side of the equation, and that is that President Trump has produced incredible opportunities for Hispanic Americans. In the first three years of his presidency, uh, the economy exploded for everyone, but particularly so for working class Americans. And most Hispanics fit that category. And we saw this in the data. Hispanic men, for example, left all the way to the lead of income gains during those first three years. Now, unfortunately, those gains were uh, were halted by the artificially halted by the China virus. But we've now the great news is we're now restarting again. And I actually just today I put up on my Twitter feed. Uh, a, a, I do these chalk talk videos at Trump campaign headquarters. And I yeah, I yeah great. Up. They're great. Yep. Thank you. And You're I grew one up where I show Hispanic <clears throat> home ownership just hit an all-time high under President Trump. For the first time in U.S. history, the majority of U.S. Hispanics now own their own homes. So while Joe Biden tries to pander to Hispanics uh, by playing Despacito on his phone, um, <laughs> uh, President yeah. Trump, in stark contrast, is actually providing results, is providing the conditions for Hispanics to prosper. And that's why I believe we're doing incredibly well in polling. And I think ultimately the only poll that really matters is Election Day. I think we're going to win the Hispanic vote. Uh, we're talking with Steve Cortez, senior advisor to the Trump campaign. And uh, and Steve, is the uh, what about key states for where it matters, maybe, where, or where the, the uh, Hispanic vote matters more? Uh, Florida, for example. Um, sure. How can... How can a lot? I, I mean, as you pointed out, Hispanic. It's, by the way, it's too. It's typical of the left. We want to paint with a broad brush. Hispanic Americans, as if you know, Cuban American couldn't be more different than uh, than a Puerto Rican American, or I guess Puerto, all Puerto Ricans are, are, are American. But my point is, when you think places where it's valuable in terms of the electoral college, um, Florida. What what is the community? I, I know that there were there was polling that the Biden campaign was worried about down in Miami, um, the Cuban population. What what how does it break out and what what are the issues that matter to them there? 
sure. No, and, and you're right. Of course, look, there's 60 million Hispanic Americans, so by no means is it a monolith. You know, there are there are Hispanics in the southwest of this country uh, whose families were there before the Mayflower. So, and you know, and then there's right. Dominicans in New York uh, who got here a month ago, right? Uh, so, you know, there and there's the only thing they may share is an Hispanic last name. They may not have much else in common, right? Other than that, but yeah. we can say that you know there are some characteristics that are at least mostly um, found across the Hispanic communities, and one of them is an awareness that our our ancestors, you know, for those who immigrated here legally themselves, either they themselves or ancestors, in my case, my father, came from Latin America for a reason. They fled their homelands there in large part because so much of Latin America, tragically, um, is is really a place of corruption, violence, a lack of opportunity, and socialism all too often. And and these immigrants did not come to the United States to replicate those problems in the United States. Unfortunately, <laughs> right. the, Demo- the Democratic right. Party of AOC and Bernie Sanders wants to do exactly that. They want to bring Venezuela uh, and Cuba to the United States. Uh, you know, President Trump, of course, has an extremely different vision. And re- regarding, you know, the uh, the differentiation between Hispanics, for example, we're doing really well in Florida for that very reason. I think that uh, Floridians who are of Venezuelan and Cuban descent, and there's a whole lot of them, uh, they are so hypersensitive to the dangers and deprivations of socialism um, that right now we are doing incredibly well there. We're actually winning in public polling. We're winning the Hispanic vote in the state of Florida. We're not doing that well. Um, in, we're doing well, but not as well in Arizona, for example, which is primarily Mexican-Americans um, and probably different right. issues matter more to them. There's a, they don't have that um, uh, that mentality of a diaspora people like a lot of the South Florida Hispanic do. And for the Mexican-Americans in in Arizona, for example, which is going to be a key battleground state, uh, I think there we have a strong story to tell about things like border security, you know, and again, the economy, of course. Uh, I also think for Hispanics broadly, Pew Research, in their polling, they show that Hispanics are 17% more pro-life than our white American. Mm-hmm. That's a huge gulf when it comes to polling. And I think we need to be unashamedly pro-life. We need to talk about how this president has been the most pro-life president in American history. I think that's one way to earn the vote of Hispanics. We're talking with Steve Cortez on on Twitter. It's at Cortez Steve, uh, just to throw you off, keep you on your toes. Uh, Steve, you did a video over there from the campaign, and he's a senior advisor to the Trump campaign uh, on the uh, America First, the foreign policy. Um, I, I can't, you know, what's your observation about the uh, Abraham Accord? I mean, and and maybe sure. you say it this way: in in our country, you know, you're a communicator among your other gifts. I mean, talking to folks, people start to feel success. They they sense who. Who's the winning team? And you must be feeling as a campaign that the Abraham Accord and these things are just it's feeling like winning. Sure. No, listen, I think the momentum's on our side. You know, I tell everybody at the campaign, we have to act like we're losing, even if we don't necessarily think we are. We have to act that way. We have to hustle and grind and earn every vote. But, right. you know, no doubt, things like the what happened at the White House yesterday, you know, put partisanship aside, just as an American, and for that matter, as a human being, this was amazing news for the world, right? Uh, given how much trouble the Middle East has caused for America, for the world uh, at large. And President Trump, this was just an absolute triumph of diplomacy. It was a breakthrough for peace. Um, and it's truly historic. He absolutely deserves a Nobel Prize for it, if not several Nobel Prizes. He won't get it, of course. <laughs> but 
who cares? Right. Um, but but here's the other remarkable thing, because he's consistent with his campaign promises and then how he actually governs, is he did it without the wrong-headed, constant interventionism of his predecessors. Yep. He did this through yep. persuasion rather than through nation-building yep. and open-ended troop commitments all over the world. It's amazing. All right, Steve, I got to run. Steve Cortez with the Trump campaign. Hey, come on again, Steve. We want to keep getting your voice out there. You're very valuable. So thank you. Uh, I got to run to a break. Uh, Steve Cortez, everybody, at Cortez Steve on Twitter. We'll take a quick break and be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Mrs. Schlafly was a courageous and articulate voice for traditional values and common sense for more than 70 years. Now continuing that legacy, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. I've told you before how the academic elites have declared math to be racist and science to be bigoted. Now it looks like they're at it again. The Associated Press announced their latest move to correct alleged racism in grammar. Up to this point, the words white or black have been lowercase when used in reference to people with a particular skin color. But as of now, the AP will capitalize the B in black, but not the W in white. Capitalization usually connotes importance, which is why we capitalize names, places, and titles. Conservative grammarians are left wondering how anyone could justify unequal treatment for different people groups like this. The AP explained their reasoning this way. White people generally do not share the same history and culture or the experience of being discriminated against because of skin color. The AP contrasted this by saying that they now capitalize black in a racial, ethnic, or cultural sense, conveying an essential and shared sense of history, identity, and community. Let's try to translate what the Associated Press is saying here. In a nutshell, they say that white shouldn't be capitalized because white people are all so different. But black should be capitalized because black people are essentially all the same. You tell me who's being racist here. The AP is falling for the same racist trap that Joe Biden did when he said black people who vote for Trump aren't really black. Leftists need to realize that black people are independent individuals just like everyone else. They don't have to all think the same way, nor are they all of the same history, identity, and community. When people are allowed to think critically, they find out that nothing is more racist than a politically correct leftist. The Associated Press may act like they're doing black people a big favor by changing the rules of grammar to single out people for their pigmentation, but nothing could be further from the truth. We must repel devious attempts at political correctness on every front, whether it be political, social, or grammatical. If I were an English teacher, I'd grade this move by the AP as a solid F. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. It's no secret that globalists are bent on destroying Western culture. Whether the threat comes from inside or outside our borders, America must be protected from cultural Marxism and those who would deny American sovereignty. We're seeking your insight at phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. And join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And uh, we wrap things up today. I want to uh, fill you in on something we heard yesterday. Uh, and that is uh, Julie Kelly was talking about what the plan is after Election Day. And uh, I'm seeing it clearer and clearer, too. 
Uh, I, I think we need to be a little bit uh, more uh, sort of upfront about this now. Uh, you know, I was looking over at uh, Breitbart.com at a piece that uh, I believe it was Joel Pollack. Yeah, Joel Pollack put up uh, about uh, a couple days ago about the Atlantic magazine and an op-ed that they wrote. And they basically laid out the fact that they're, they're describing that people must vote for Biden-Harris or there'll be more riots. That's right. You're supposed to vote for the Democrat nominee. And if you don't, and if, if you don't, if you don't make sure the Democrat nominee wins, there'll be more riots. That's what the left-leaning press uh, uh, puts out as an op-ed piece. That their, 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 their request is that Republicans who are law and order abiders, you know, who believe in law and order, they should not vote for Trump. They should vote for the Democrats to avoid civil unrest. Now, think about this. It, it, it's almost insane that they're actually saying that out loud. And their threat, of course, is that if, if Trump wins again, that there will be then rioting. There'll be even more rioting. Uh, I'm reminded, as we talked about yesterday, of the of the I think it was Los Angeles um, health department person who said, you know, COVID will disappear as soon as the election's over. And you kind of say, do they really mean that? And I think the answer is they do. I think they do. But back to this point, that's what The Atlantic is doing. And you'll ch- check that article out. That's why I have to tell you again what you need to do right now today is you need to register to be a poll worker. You need to go. And I, I, I'll tell you the steps. There are, there are just only three steps. It's really easy to remember. And so it's three steps. First, number one is get the day off of work. Now you laugh, I'm not, I'm, but I'm not kidding. I'm saying make sure that you can take the day off of work. And if your job uh, needs you to request it, request a day off of work. You're going to need the whole day off to be a poll worker. Number two, in your county or your town, it, sometimes it's a town, a larger town, it's a larger city or, you know, sort of a, 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 a municipality or it's a county. Find out how to be a poll worker. Sometimes you're required to be a, get to be a poll worker by going through the party structure. But most times you can just call up and say, I want to be a poll worker. And they'll ask you your party affiliation. Uh, but, and this is one of the reasons why you should always wonder. You know, it seems like a lot of people are not honest about this. But get yourself in the system and find out. Because there will be some kind of training. Now, the good news is a lot of the training has been moved to online, so you can do it by Zoom or something else. So it's a little bit less uh, problematic or less uh, difficult. And and the uh, and so so those are the two steps. Get your life cleared out and get your day off of work, your day off of school. If you're in college or you're in grad school or you've got kids, get yourself cleared out so that you can spend that day. You, by the way, you don't have to have the whole day. You can commit to half a day. You can commit to, you know, a few hours here or there, depending, again, on the jurisdiction. So first, get your life Life clear that you can do it. Second, find out from the county or the municipality or your party what how to get signed up. It, it's usually the county where I live in Fairfax County. It's the county that does it. And then number three, embrace the idea of being what I call eyes inside eyes inside. I had a caller on the Breitbart radio program earlier today. She said she was a poll worker in Massachusetts. And because she was at the front table where people had to go through to come in and register to, uh, to, to get their, yeah, well, not register to vote, but to, to get their name, find their name on the ro- voter rolls. She saw people that were coming in that had already voted. 
and they were confronted. And she said, I was there to help. I was there to say, hey. And she thought, she said, I, I thought to myself, we got to have people in these places. So you've got to be eyes inside, eyes inside. Now, I, I, I use this phrase earlier. It's a little bit ugly, but I remember when I was a boy, a young boy in high school, actually, and I went to a friend's house and he lived in Jersey City, where I went to high school in New Jersey. And I remember the first time we went into a room and, and he flicked on the light switch and I watched the cockroaches scurry away as soon as the light was on. Yeah, I don't know if you that you can picture that. It sounds like a movie. I can I can picture it like it was yesterday. It was such a surprise to me. I lived out in the country. I had seen I'd seen mice and I'd seen squirrels and all kinds of things. I hadn't seen cockroaches. So, but my point here is, when you turn the lights on, they scurry for cover. When you have eyes inside of polling places, when you have eyes inside of election authorities, when you have eyes inside of the places where there could be chicanery. You can stop it just by being there. It's almost like the old phrase, the dog that doesn't bark. You, you might not see, you might finish and say, well, I was an election poll worker. I never saw any fraud the whole time I was there. That's because you were there. That's because you were there. And if you have the wherewithal, you should get yourself ready to be a part of any of the post-election uh, vote counts and recounts and uh, examination of the uh, of the. Um, uh, of the um, uh, mail-in balloting, all that stuff will be going on in many jurisdictions. So that's what you have to do. You've got to do that. You've got to understand that the left is planning to destabilize the country and do it by making the elections chaotic. And one piece that you can push back on, we can, is to be a poll worker. The president tweeted about this, by the way, last weekend. I think it was on Saturday. He said specifically, we need poll workers, register of polls. He put a link to the campaign so he's asking americans to do it he's asking trump supporters to do it so that's a request so that's it again and, and hear me say it again first get your day off get your life cleared up for november 3rd that's a big thing you got to make sure i mean be respectful of your family of your life get that day off of work get yourself ready number two find out from the county municipality or the party where you live the republican party i suspect must be then find out how to become a poll worker and then get your mind around step three on election day being eyes inside. It's a huge responsibility. You got to do it. All right, I got to run. That's what you need to do. Ed Martin on the Pro America Report. Thank you to Noah, our great technical director, Joanna, for booking our guests. We'll be back tomorrow night. Ed Martin, Pro America Report. Thanks for listening. Talk to you then. <laughs>